Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Tara Gleason, parent-to-parent educator and curriculum developer, and now podcast producer at the Military Child Education Coalition, and I am your host. I am also the spouse of an active-duty Army soldier and parent to three military kids. Today, we're going to talk about the Exceptional Family Member Program and military families with children with exceptional needs. And joining us is Dr. Paul Bond. He's the former retired State Director of Special Education in Hawaii, and he's also works for the Child and Family Behavioral Health System for the U.S. Army Medical Command. Also is Dr. Ed Tyner, who's the Associate Director of the Office of Special Needs, and joining him is Rebecca Lombardi, the Program Analyst for the Office of Special Needs. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning. We're happy to be here, Tara. Thank you, Tara. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your role, your job, and how you're connected with the Military Child Education Coalition. We uh, we support the Exceptional Family Member Program and have oversight for the program. The, the services all have their own individual programs, but since 2010, the Office of Special Needs has been standardizing, working to standardize many aspects of the program for um, military families. Uh, and the feedback that we're getting from families who are aware of the programs that we've put out and the the, the trainings and the standardization efforts has been very positive. And so we've shared those with MSEC as well. Rebecca, is there anything you would like to add to that? No, I just, um, just to, to continue on with, with the, the uh, issue in terms of uh, families uh, appreciating it, we tried to choose some areas um, that staff and families had, had indicated to us that were difficult for families particularly, and we worked and are still working to try and standardize some of those areas, such as in family member travel screening and that sort of thing. And if you'd like, we can kind of go into a little more detail, Tara, on some of those programs, because I think the family member travel screening is one of our largest um, projects mm-hmm. right now, and it's going to have the greatest impact on a lot of families, and not just those families with special needs. Excellent. Yes, let's talk about that next. First, Dr. Paul Bond, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role with the MSEC, and kind of what you can share with families with children with exceptional needs? We know that military families, there's about 20% that are enrolled in the ESNP program with children with exceptional needs from some of the research that I found. Right. Good morning. Um, My background is that I'm a former state director of special education from Hawaii. I've been in special education uh, all my life, I predate uh, the IDA uh, 94142 in 1975. So I'm an old guy. I've been in this field quite a while. Uh, my role for about the last eight and a half years, I, when I retired, came up to Washington State to uh, work with the Army on um, expanding 
school behavioral health programs and uh, building uh, behavioral health programs for military kids and families across the Army. So that's my current role, and in that role, I'm also the outreach uh, director. So that's kind of my involvement with MSEC is uh, my expertise in schools and special education and working um, <clears throat> closely with families with special needs. Right, and this is Ed Tyner, and I'm happy that, that uh, Paul is on the call with us today because we do get a lot of questions from families uh, about special education services outside the Department of Defense. And uh, we have used Paul several times as a resource. And uh, Paul, we just want to say thank you for uh, assisting the families when we had to ask you to. Oh, it's great, Ed. And I've come to really appreciate EFMP. This you know, sounds like a love fest, but it is. <laughs> uh, being on the outside, you know, as state director, I never realized uh, the reach that uh, the EFMP program has uh, for families with special needs. And um, I, th I think it's, it's great. I refer parents to the Military One Source as well. Um, use the same kind of guidelines, you know, be prepared. Uh, get your IEPs in order, uh, get your documentation, bring a copy with you when you move. Um, the official records sometimes are late in arriving. <clears throat> and always try to contact the director of special education in the school district if you know where you're going to be living um, as soon as possible, even before you move. And along those lines, Paul, on Military One Sources, a a directory that will guide parents. It tells every school system in the state, uh, in the states, and will tell a little bit about the numbers of kids they have under certain disability uh, categories. But it also gives them a, a point of contact, someone to contact. Um, and so we found that resource to be very useful for a lot of families. Do you know what, what's really a great program is the systems navigators. Uh, right. I've got to know some of them here at Joint Base Lewis-McChord and, um, and heard stories in other locations that they really are terrific in, in helping families um, you know, make connections and uh, get acquainted with what programs and services are within their particular installation. Right. And also, every installation has a uh, family support person, EFMP family support person, that does information and referral. And Rebecca, do you want to talk a little bit more about the what they actually can help families with? Oh, well, sure. Yeah, and, and along with what Ed was saying, um, each service calls their family support personnel something different, and the Army happens to call their system navigators. But every installation does have a family support provider that will assist families in connecting to resources um, both on the base and, and off the base in terms of social services. services. Um, in addition to that, there may be families that come in that aren't necessarily looking for services that pertain to, to their family member with special needs, but maybe the family who is, is acting in a caregiving capacity, whether it's a parent or a spouse or whomever, um, may need some assistance themselves, and they can help connect them with resources um, with that as well. Um, the other thing that we have within our um, uh, family support arena is um, for families who come in and they may require some additional support other than just, say, coming in for um, 
an information and referral, kind of a quick question, could you tell me where something is located? Um, we will provide them with uh, an assessment of need, and if the family um, would like, we can also set them up with a services plan to kind of help them uh, chart their progress, um, figure out what their their goals are ultimately, and, and help them to try to meet those goals while helping them develop tools um, and resources on their own in order to, to meet those goals with some guidance from the family support providers. And this is Ed again. And if I could add, we also just recently launched uh, a program called the EFMP Rock or EFMP Resources, Options, and Consultations that is uh, a, a call-in number or an online uh, contact they can make through Military One Source and uh, can actually speak to someone and make an appointment with a specialty consultation person uh, or, or a specialty consultant. Uh, this is not to replace the brick-and-mortar family support folks, but it gives families another option uh, to get information and to um, get the services that they need and get connected. Absolutely. Just an extra person that can help support families, take some of the pressure off. And I did hear you mention, you know, each branch has their own EFMP program. I didn't realize that until I went to a recent Responding to Military Children with Exceptional Needs. And then I know that you're talking about standardizing things across the branches. Can you talk a little bit more about what you have coming up as far as some of that standardization? Okay, but Rebecca, this may be a t good time to go back to the family member travel screening that sure, we mentioned sure. earlier. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Probably one of our longest standing um, projects has been the um, family member travel screening, or probably what most families know it as is overseas screening. Um, anytime a family, regardless of whether or not there are special needs or identified or not, um, goes overseas, the family must go through a screening. And what we have done is um, we have gathered together our POCs from each of the um, uh, branches of service, uh, each of the branches, and um, we have we began to look at the forms that everybody was filling out. And one of the things with standardizing across the services that, of course, is challenging is everybody does things a little bit differently. It depends on what their mission is and, and a variety of other factors that, that each of those representatives has to keep in, in mind. So we felt like the potential to standardize the forms was probably the best place to start, and, which we did. And we took all of the forms and, and looked at them. And from all of those forms, which across all the services, there are nine forms. And what we did is we were able to get all of the information that each of the services required in order to do their, their uh, screenings appropriately um, was to we developed five forms from that. And so now we have five forms that um, all services will use, and um, we, we piloted this to make sure that it would actually work, and it was quite successful. Um, both the folks that were participating in the pilot, the staff, as well as family members felt like this was quite helpful. Um, we've set up some parameters on this and some instructions so that when it does come out, um, the staff will know what to do. Um, families will be given clear instructions on how to fill the forms out. 
um, and it, it's been a, quite a successful process. But I think one of the biggest things is is that now, or once these roll out, and we're projecting sometime the beginning of next year that this will roll out, is that they can walk into any installation, any branch, and they can start the process for overseas screening. They they will no longer be told, gosh, you know, I'm sorry, but we just don't have the information about your service, so, and we don't know what your paperwork is, so we, we don't really know what to do for you. Every family can then should be able to go in and and get the paperwork that they need and get the process started. And we heard from a lot of parents that this ha- has been a problem, especially when they're serving on like a sister service installation or if they're on a joint base where their service is not the lead. Sometimes they were told, gosh, you'll need to go over to another office and from your service to get the paperwork. Now every service, every MTF will be able to start the process for any family. And as I said also earlier, this will also be helpful not only for families with special needs, but those that uh, don't have special needs but are going through the screening process. So we see this as a huge step for um, a big standardization. Uh, some of the other standardization efforts we've done, though, have been in training for the staff and in a lot of the materials that we have placed on, on Military One Source. Uh, Rebecca, do you want to talk a little bit, bit about some of the materials that are there? Sure. Um, well, as Ed mentioned, we, we are developing a core competency training um, that is primarily for the staff um, to provide them a standard um, standard message that they put out to staff um, and to their leadership and that sort of thing, and so that they're also receiving kind of a standard message about EFMP. Um, in addition to that, um, other things that we have on on the website itself on Military One Source is the score for children, which um, is an organizational record of for medical, educational, et cetera, where you you can put all kinds of various uh, pieces of information in one binder so you can keep it in one place. And we have that not only for children, but we have it for adults as well. Um, so anybody in your family it, it could be helpful for, um, whether they have a special need or not. If you have a lot of information that you want to keep in, in one place, it's a, it's a great way to do it. Um, some of the other things that we have um, our webinars um, and webcasts and that sort of thing. Um, also, the uh, Military Families Learning Network has a link there, which um, they provide webinars, um, informational webinars on special needs issues um, for staff as well as family members on various topics. We've had things including Medicaid, um, Medicare, um, uh, and, and other topics um, regarding aging out of school um, and that sort of thing. And so those things yeah. are all very helpful. Yeah, Dr. Tyner shared one, Moving with an IEP webinar. Right. And talks about um, managing expectations, comparable right. services, and what does that mean. And those are common things we hear at the INSEC as well when parents are transitioning their student with exceptional needs from place to place. Right. Right. Exactly. And thanks for mentioning that one, Tara, because I was going to reference it because it has been a very popular one for us. And uh, we think it's well done. We've been told it's well done. And, uh, yeah, so we encourage any parent that's looking for another resource when they're getting ready to move and their child has an IEP to check that one out. And I love that you have this score for children. We have a training that that trains parents how to create, we call it the IEP binder. 
And so now I'm going to check this out and see if we can include that in our upcoming webinar on, here at the MSEC on transitioning with your children with exceptional needs and see if they, they pair well together. It sounds like they do. We've referred families to that toolkit on Military OneSource, the EFMP resource uh, parents with special needs toolkit, which has been very valuable, and we've heard some great feedback from there as well. Right. And I like that Dr. Paul Bond talked about hand-carrying records and, and how those hand-carried records now under the interstate compact students can be immediately placed um, in their comparable services from their previous duty station until future testing can, can take place. And even before any meeting can take place, parents can go into the new school with their IEP in hand and get their child the services they need more quickly. We had, we've seen in previous studies of military families that that was a big issue for families in the past. So it's made right. great strides in, in getting the services in place for children with exceptional needs in a more timely manner. Sure, and the more There's prepared the parents are, and the more prepared the parents are with some organizational tool, I think it makes it easier for them. I'm sorry, Paul. Oh no, I agree. Um, <clears throat> what I was going to say with the interstate compact, because that interstate compact is at the state level, and you know, with California, with over a thousand school districts uh, throughout the state, and so on. Um, it, it might be something to consider to put into the binder for the parents already um, the reference to the interstate compact because when they show up at a school district, you might have a new special ed director. It might be a very small school district where they're living that uh, they might not be that familiar with the interstate compact. So as you prepare uh, binders and documents, that's something that might be, you know, food for thought to create a one-pager on reference to it and uh, what the provisions are so that the parents won't have to verbally, you know, by word of mouth, convey that information. Sure. And their well, website is so easy to find that, www.mic3.net. You just go to your state. You can see your, your individual state guidelines, print those off, and put them in the binder. So I am absolutely, Dr. Bond, going to add that to our training when mm -hmm. we talk about transitioning your student with exceptional needs and, and even students without exceptional needs. I think that's a great suggestion, especially for those districts that are further out from the installation. We know that not all military right. families live on the installation, and some don't even live very close depending on what their needs are. So I think that's an excellent suggestion, one we're going to share with other parents as well in our future training. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. And another resource might also be the parent training centers in, that are in any state. Uh, and, Paul, you probably know a little bit more about those than I do. Yeah, it's uh, the branch. They have uh, parent training centers, and uh, the, the uh, Mothership, if you will, is here in, in Washington State, and Ed and I sit on the board for the advisory committee, and I understand that they have a no-cost extension going for another year, so they continue to disseminate information to all of the parent training centers um, across the country affiliated with uh, IDEA, so you know, that, that's another great resource. Here in Washington State, they also have PAVE, um, can't think of the acronym right now, but they do specialized training of military parents. They've been doing this now for, gosh, maybe 30 years on contract. Right. So that's another, you know, great resource. Um, and it, each one of these kinds of training, I think, it's excellent that. 
some families are, are much more attuned to webinars and, and feel more comfortable with that. Others like the face-to-face and so on. So I think having as many venues uh, of training opportunities uh, for parents with special needs um, is it, it, really an excellent resource. So if parents want to utilize the parent training centers, how do they do they just can they Google that per state? How do they access that? The parent training centers. Yeah, they can Google it. The Parent Information mm-hmm. and Training Center. Uh for their state. Some states have two, but every state has at least one. Uh and Paul mentioned the uh the branch. And the branch provides training for mil- for those parent training centers to work specifically with military families. Right. So it's not they don't do training of parents, but they do training of centers that support uh parents with special needs, including military families. Yeah. So there are a lot of things as 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 we are talking today that you can see that parents may not see up front that go along that are mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes to support them as well. And we're trying to highlight things that they can see and, and uh feel. But there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes as well. Another great resource for parents on the installations are the uh, uh, school liaison officers, which are in all service branches, and and they tend to have a good pulse on uh, the school districts and the schools um, around the uh, base or, or installation. And they can actually help families also that aren't even on the installation. They usually can branch out and and be that person that can help advocate for children in schools so that families could call ahead and ask a school liaison officer about which district might be able to provide some of the more specialized services for their children with exceptional needs. They can maybe link them up with the EFMP office, or often they partner together on certain things as well. So they're an excellent other person to reach out out with. Um, is there any other resources we haven't talked about today? I don't know that we've talked about the e-newsletter yet for EFMP. Uh, no, but that's an excellent resource, too. Uh, we do it every quarter, and uh, there's about 7,000 or so subscriptions to it. And it really does um, give a lot of uh, information for parents. Like lately, we've always we've been really highlighting and pushing the Parent Information Training Centers. Uh, in this last edition, we talked about the Rock, which I mentioned earlier, uh, and we also have an advisory panel, uh, and that is a panel made up of parents uh, from across the country, from all different services with different uh, uh, disability categories, and uh, we often get we have a mailbox for them, and probably the best way to get to that one is to go to Military One Source and look at our last newsletter. Uh, called the Exceptional Advocate, and inside there you'll get the uh, the mailbox to the EFMP uh, Family Advisory Panel. And I, I like that this mailbox is a way that families, for those overarching issues, that that families can reach out to you and let you know what sure. their needs are, what's working well, what they like, maybe what they would like to see. So I like that there's that direct way that they can contact you through that mailbox and and share ways that, that um, what they're experiencing. Right, and we we like that too because sitting at the Pentagon, sometimes it's difficult to hear directly from families, and this is an excellent way that um, 
we can hear from them and provide feedback and, and get the pulse of what's going on with families. And we'd Excellent. also like to hear what, what's going well as well. Exactly. You know, they can share that with us so that we know that we are actually on target. So as we're wrapping up, I know that you have one more um, new program that's going to be coming out in the 2019-2020 called EFMP and Me. Would you share just a little bit of that before we, we head out today? Well, I'll start, and then, Rebecca, you can jump in. The EFMP and Me came about, as we've heard from families, that sometimes that they would like – it started out with like a life cycle checklist – what it's morphed into, it's going to be uh, a drop-down menu where you'll be asked certain questions as if, you know, like when you go shopping online uh, for certain products, it will say, what do you want today? Uh, like men's shoes, women's shoes, you know, what size, what color, what style. Well, there'll be a series of questions that we're developing that will say, you know, are you going through a life change? Did you just have a family member identified with a special needs or your child just received an IEP? Are you are, are you getting a promotion? Are you moving? And then it will automatically give them, after a series of questions, resources that really go right along with their um, – that will go along with um, – and give them the resources based on what they said their needs are. It should be a family – um, pinpoint some of the needs that they have in terms of what their request is as opposed to maybe sifting through a lot of information that may not be helpful. Um, this way, as Ed was saying, it's a drop-down and, and you can hone in. You go from very general to honing in on specifically what area of interest you have. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I think it's going to be a very helpful resource for families who yeah. can just have that one-stop one shop that they can Absolutely. go in there and direct them directly to who they need instead of sometimes going through those multiple channels and, and phone calls of trying to figure out the right, the right person to be in touch with. Is there anything right. from any of the three of you that we didn't cover today that you would love for military families to know that I, that I might have missed? I don't know. I think that one thing that we have been saying to families lately, I was just in San Antonio a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think that the screening process that we worked really hard on that Rebecca talked about for to, for families uh, as they're doing their overseas screening or either stateside screening to remote locations, I think that um, military families are very fortunate in that the DOD and all the services is one of the few employers, and it's actually the only one I know of, although there may be another one or out there, who actually looks at their families when they're getting ready to do a, a move. A lot of companies, if they're transferring the employee, uh, they don't really ask if you have family member special needs because it doesn't really matter to them. But in DOD and in the services, we really do care and make every effort to try to uh, uh, make that transition for parents and families as easy as possible. It doesn't always guarantee services are going to be there because sometimes things happen. But uh, the overall rate for uh families getting good services when they move really is pretty high. Yes, I agree. And just, that, this that. is Paul from my own experience, um, just because of you know working with uh, Mary Keller, and, and I know that as calls go through uh, MSEC on concerns about special needs um, in more in the stateside system, um, you know, we attempt to help out as best we can to make contacts. But I just want to emphasize again, if, you, if you're moving, um, 
ahead of time, if you can kind of Google the school districts that you think you might be um, living in, that's always a good thing to do ahead of time and make contact uh, with folks um, in, in the districts that take care of special needs children. I definitely think that expedites things on both ends. It lets them know who's coming and possibly setting up, you know, things before the family arrives, and then it makes it less stressful when you get there that you've already made that positive contact. So I, I agree with you. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Bond, Dr. Tyner, and Rebecca for, for talking with us today. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this and, well, and share thanks this Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you for inviting us. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.